Funding for the Hinckley Report and this podcast is made possible in part by the Cleone Peterson Eccles Endowment Fund and AARP Utah. Thank you for listening to the Hinckley Report, your weekly political roundup. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and leave us a five-star review. Good evening and welcome to the Hinckley Report. I'm Jason Perry, director of the Hinckley Institute of Politics. Covering the week, we have Francis Gibson, former Republican member of the Utah House of Representatives, Lindsey Whitehurst, reporter with the Associated Press, and Jeff Merchant, former chair of the Utah Democratic Party. So glad to have all of you here with us this evening. This is a big weekend in politics. Our state conventions are happening, Democrat side, the Republican side. Today we have, we have party leaders, we have former members of the legislature, candidates, and Lindsay, you're doing such a great job talking with voters today. So we're gonna talk about the conventions. We're gonna talk first about the importance of them, what's going to happen this weekend, and then we'll get to some of the candidates as well, because there are some interesting races and some issues on the agenda this weekend. Representative, I want to start with you, though, for a second. Talk about the importance, I know through the Republican lens, the importance of this state convention that's happening on Saturday for the party. Oh, wow. You have thousands of delegates and people who were, were elected by their local communities to be delegates and to represent their views based on where they live. And they're going to come together and we're going to listen to different candidates uh, uh, espouse what they feel their beliefs are and why they think they would be better as a, as a newly elected and, or an incumbent, why they should continue. Um, for me, I think the conventions are sort of the heart and soul of, of getting to know who a candidate is. Um, it's the opportunity for you to kind of kick the tires and really take something for a test drive and see who these candidates are. It's not about TV commercials. It's not about radio ads. It's about truly getting to try to know people. And there's been a process over the last few weeks where uh, these candidates have tried to reach out to delegates and, and talk about the platforms where they believe. So a big deal, um, lots of big races going on, not just at the uh, federal level, but also state and, and uh, state representatives and state senators are being elected and the candidates are being, uh, mm -hmm. uh, the nominees will be determined. Mm -hmm. So it, it's an exciting time. Uh, Jeff, I understand you are going to chair the, the Democrat co convention. Talk about the preparations for that and through this lens also. Yeah, you know, I think that uh, a lot of people don't understand all of the work that goes into a convention beforehand. Uh, these, this process starts six, eight months before the convention actually occurs. And then, of course, um, on Saturday, uh, both on the Republican and the Democratic side, we'll have thousands of people gathered um, and uh, we'll just start talking about the issues. I mean, the yeah. thing I love the most about the convention process is the fact that it really kind of distills down these people that otherwise seem like people you only see on TV that are far away in Washington, D.C. or up at the state legislature. Uh, you know, they're right there in front of you and uh, anyone can ask a question. And I'll tell you, a lot of those questions are hard questions for some of these folks to answer. I'm sure that uh, Representative Gibson has been in that situation before. Uh, and, and that, I think, is the beauty of the convention process, is that it forces uh, our representatives to talk one-on-one -on -one with the people that are going to choose whether or not to allow them to continue to represent them. Mm -hmm. Lindsay, I know you're talking to voters and delegates uh, in, in your position. Uh, are they viewing it the same way? Do they like the fact that they get to have just such direct access? And sometimes they are the hard questions. 
And that's kind of the cool thing about the energy at a convention, right? You get a lot of people who are really invested in the process, who, who, can, who can go and ask those questions and have those conversations. Um, there are, of course, some cases with the signature gathering path where we see candidates taking that path. So convention becomes then a little bit more of a conversation rather than a crucial, the candidacy is going to hinge on, on this particular day. And, and that's the yeah. case with, uh, with Mike's, Mike Lee's reelection, yeah. um, is that you have um, his two GOP challengers have already gathered signatures, so is he for that matter. And so we kind of know where, where that's going to be um, come primary ballot. But of course, there's been a lot of conversation about that race. So, so we'll see. I think there'll still be kind of a healthy back and forth that, that happens yeah. there, um, even though that's not the pivotal, pivotal moment. And, and of course, you know, when you have, uh, when you have uh, candidates that can get up there and make their speeches, they can still sway people, you know, and they, yeah. can, they can still sway delegates. And of course, the delegates definitely still have a very strong voice when, when, those, when those votes happen. That, that says something about where the race is at. And there are some races where, um, where it will completely hinge on, on what the delegates have to say and how those votes yeah. come down on Saturday. Can we spend a second on those, those strong voices on both sides? And Representative, let's get to it, uh, because you know, s some look at these conventions over time, and it's not uncommon, you know, we've seen on the Republican side, for some of these delegates with their strong voice to use them, they even boo some of these candidates. Oh. We've seen that at a, time, uh, a couple of times, which I want to talk about, and it's not even the case always which who they decide they want is not the person that uh, sometimes even wins the primary. Right. Um, you know, I, I've heard people say, well, the delegates are the extreme. You know, they're the far right or potentially the far left. And I kind of take offense to that sometimes because I think these are people that are actually studying issues and they want to be involved. Anybody can go to a caucus night and become a delegate. And many times, at least on the Republican side, we'll attend a caucus night in the areas that I would represent in South Utah County. And we would see 2,500 to 3,000 people at a high school. And you walk out of there with 100 delegates. Those people were elected to represent these folks. And so in order to be elected as a delegate, you need to stand up and expose what is it I believe in or what are some of my core beliefs or who am I thinking about in terms of representation. Um, but yeah, they are very, uh, very opinionated typically and probably because they've done their homework. Mm -hmm. and, um, and so it, it's, they, uh, I would say they're not necessarily um, extreme, but highly educated, highly informed, and uh, they want their representatives to be accountable. Mm -hmm. uh, Lindsay, I want to give you a couple examples uh, from some past conventions with some people who have been in office recently and in office right now because they did not win at, at the, the convention. Gary Herbert, for example, in 2016, he, he lost to Jonathan Johnson, but then won with 72% of the vote in the primary. Mitt Romney took second to Mike Kennedy in 2018, then he won 71% at the primary, and then John Curtis, interesting, he came in fifth place at the convention, uh, losing to uh, Chris Herod, but then 43% of the vote. I, some who are looking at this weekend, and they, they talk about the importance of it, but we, these are some pretty high-profile examples of the favorites of the delegates may not have been the favorites of, at least this, these were Republican candidates, the mainstream Republican Party. Right. I mean, you look just strictly by the numbers in races like that, that, that candidates that do tend to succeed at the at, at GOB convention uh, tend to probably tack a little further right than, than even the mainstream Republican electorate, um, just strictly by those numbers. Of course, there is there are some theories that perhaps with the signature gathering path, like uh, delegates kind of want to stake their claim a little bit. Like they have a, they have a general sense of, of who might do well in, in the primary, and they want to make sure there's another choice that, that actually does get there to the ballot. So there are 
there's some different sort of schools of thought on, on exactly how that all plays out, especially since that signature gathering path has been an option for candidates. Um, but, but you know, you do see those, those numbers come out. And um, Curtis's race that you mentioned will be interesting this year um, because he has, I believe, uh, four challengers, and, and I don't think any of them have gathered signatures. Yeah. So that will be one where, where his, um, whether he appears on the primary ballot is really going to turn on what happens at convention on Saturday. Uh -huh. uh, talk a minute for the minute for the Democrats when it comes to signature gathering. Same issue as the Republicans, or how is it? How may it be different? You know, it's not. A, it's really not an overly controversial issue on the Democratic side. I mean, I think that uh, certainly as you get closer and closer to Salt Lake City, candidates start to gather signatures. But outside of Salt Lake City, where there are you know some pretty uh, uh, controversial primaries that mm -hmm. tend to go on. Uh, getting signatures is not something that Democrats tend to spend money doing. I mean, this is an expensive uh, thing for candidates to do, uh, whether it's for U.S. Senate or for a House seat at the state legislature. So uh, for Democrats, generally, uh, the convention path and then a primary if, if someone doesn't gather enough uh, votes is, is the way that they tend to go. Chase, I can just say, what, Lindsay made a point, especially in, in Senator Lee, you know, we've got Ali Isom and Becky Edwards both running for that seat and all three have collected signatures. Mm -hmm. And so almost I think about this convention, they're going, they're going in, their goal is to cause no harm. Mm -hmm. Don't hurt myself. Mm -hmm. Because I already know that I'm going to go into a primary and, uh, and their war tests are quite big. Obviously Mike Lee being the incumbent has a lot of money, but I've been quite surprised at the amount of funds that both Becky Edwards and Ali Isom have. And so the primary is going to be the really big battle and what does that look like? And uh, so this convention, is, I think they want to walk out without really having any mm -hmm. harm. But when, to come out with the nominee, nomination from the convention, I think it says a lot about uh, momentum moving forward. Because yeah. there are those people who elected those delegates to represent them, and it'll be interesting to see how that turns out. Did you have a comment? No, I think that I think that that's absolutely right. I mean, it'll be a feather in whoever comes out on top. It'll be a feather in their cap. And certainly, if they manage to win by enough that uh, they're the clear favorite of the convention, I think that'll that'll go a long way as we move into convention or into primary season. Can I ask you, Representative? You had to run this gauntlet uh, before, so you had this experience. So sometimes people they, they look at the, the process itself, and this is to your thought about you know you don't want to do any harm. Some there, there's some out there that say uh, I have my signatures, I'm going to be on the primary, why am I going to put myself through it at all? Right. You know, Is that uh, no, your, I, your opinion? I, I, I think absolutely there are those who feel that way. There are some that maybe uh, from a Republican side more moderate leaning and they don't want to face the hard questions. Um, but I think that's dangerous because those rep those delegates, like for example, you know, I would go to a high school with 2,500 to 3,000 people and 100 delegates were elected. Well, they were elected, and in those individual precincts, those delegates who had to run a campaign had to say what they stand for. And they say, you know what, I believe, Lindsay, you're the best person to represent my community where I'm at. And, and what does that mean? And so to not stand before them, it, the convention process, I don't say the purifying process, but it's the, it is truly the opportunity to, to speak to people one-on-one. -on -one. When you get to a primary, you're gonna travel the state and you're gonna try to meet as many people as you can. And I think um, Ali Isom has, has made a commitment to go to every town uh, throughout, the US, uh, throughout the state of Utah, which is awesome. And so there are gonna be lots of opportunities for her to meet good people. But the state is so large in these statewide races, it is so hard to see people and have that individual attention. The convention gives you that, and when they go home, they talk about it with their, mm -hmm. their family, their friends, and their neighbors. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Uh, go ahead, Lindsay. 
Oh, I was just, there is a real kind of grassroots energy there, which is cool. Like, like to yeah. kind of be that kind of little D democracy <laughs> sort of yeah. thing is, is really neat. I think there, you know, the flip side, some folks would say it is a really time consuming process to be a delegate and we're all busy with our lives and from, you know, soccer practice, swim lessons, you know, all of the things that, that take up large portions of our lives that not, not everybody can make that time commitment, even if they, they do have strong opinions to be able to, to do that whole thing that might be a, a tough thing for them. So perhaps you get the folks that, that are most invested that do have the strongest point of views that, that will are willing to set aside that time. And so those are the two, I think, kind of differing points of view on 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 this the place of convention in in our process right now mm -hmm. certainly yeah, those from the candidate side um ignoring the convention is just not a good idea i mean in my mind mm -hmm. the legislature whether you like or dislike this signature path versus convention path the legislature has created kind of a belt and suspenders approach and um if you can wear the suspenders and the belt to make sure your pants don't fall down <laughs> that's what you do right yeah. so um you know especially on the republican side where there are so many races uh, that have multiple candidates and where there's a lot of competition within the party to come out with the nomination uh, and my personal view is if i were if i were if i were working with a candidate i would suggest you go you do both and mm -hmm. and you work hard at the convention mm -hmm. and you work hard to talk to people one-on-one -on -one at their doorsteps getting signatures mm -hmm. uh, i want to get to this point that you brought up a second ago too and you've had to face the tough questions and they come there uh, on the republican side and then i want to get to the, de to the democrat convention too um there, what big issues you see coming up tomorrow not a part of the not the candidates yet i want to talk about the candidates in a moment but big issues that they'll be discussing well, I think tomorrow they're going to be looking, obviously, gas prices, oil and gas mm -hmm. expiration. You're going to talk about inflation. That's going to be a big one, I think, locally here in the state of Utah with regards to maybe some of the state candidates, but also maybe what some of the federal uh, offices are looking for. You're, we're going to talk about transgender yeah. and the veto by Governor Cox. I think that will be an issue. Um, I think those are going to be some of the big ones. Education is always a big one. Where do you stand yeah. on education funding and uh, with regards to state-level races? Um, but it, it, it's, I think those are some of the big ones. That, and, you, and you never know. There is always something that crawls yeah. under a rock, and you're like, where did that come uh -huh. from? And that's the hidden surprise <laughs> that you always, as a candidate, you're like, oh, I wasn't prepared for that yeah. one. I, I want to well, talk about a couple of those. Oh, yeah, go ahead. Let's see. There a change, there's a proposed change to the party platform on abortion, I think, Yeah, that's too, right. right? Yeah, talk about that one for a moment, because yeah. that's going to be one that's going to take some time, perhaps. Right. I think it'll it'll change the language a little bit to be um, to be. Uh, right now it says we are opposed to abortion except in cases of rape or incest or the life of the mother and and I believe that the proposed change would be um, uh, more towards encouraging a, a abortion I'm sorry encouraging adoption, adoption yeah. <laughs> that's the opposite thing and um, and so those kind of de-emphasizing those exceptions for which I think kind of says something on where we're at on the abortion debate as a country right we're, we're talking a lot about that there's a case in front of the Supreme Court that that may really make some major changes here over the summer, so um, so that will probably be a discussion, I imagine, too. And, and I don't know that that's going to change. I, I don't think that passes globally. Mm -hmm. um, I think there's a still a strong sense of, in, in case of life or death for the mom or you know the baby, those are things that they will look at. I don't know that that's going to change. And I know for, from a legislative standpoint, I'm very pro-life. Let's just get that on the table, period. I'm a pro-lifer, and I've always been that way. Um, but I think that at some point, there's there's got to be a we're pretty strong. 
we've said we're a pro-life state. Do we need to continue to talk about this every single election cycle? Okay, I, I want to get to the issue itself, but maybe, Jeff, since you're in charge of the, 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 the convention for the Democrats, how does this stuff, it's so interesting what he says, right? You never know what's going to come up. Yeah. How do you manage that? I mean, how, what is the process that allows something that maybe not going to change at all just to rise? Uh, there, I mean, look, in, in many ways, especially as you're running one of these events, uh, you, you have to be prepared for everything, which essentially means you can't really be prepared for anything. <laughs> you just have to kind of take these things up as, as they come. Now, particularly on the Republican side, I mean, as you know, uh, Derek Brown and I, who is a former Republican chair, yeah. uh, have become pretty good friends. And we've talked about this uh, multiple times, about how hard it is to be able to manage uh, what you don't know is going to happen. So of course, you work as hard as you can, um, either either on your own or, or through uh, intermediaries to work with the various parties to know as much as you can beforehand so that you can manage the debate in a way that makes the process smooth. Uh, I think that the one thing that no one likes is when you get bogged down in procedure, uh, when you get bogged down, I mean, yeah. you know, Lindsay talked about how, you know, delegates have lives. You know, we go to soccer games with our kids, we go to dinner with our spouses, we do other things like that, and nobody wants to sit around until one o'clock in the morning because someone's engaged in dilatory tactics to kind of yeah. just slow the process down. So the goal is to make things move as smoothly as you can, but you just cannot anticipate everything. Uh -huh. uh, Lindsay, uh, you talked about this for just a moment. Uh, let's, let's talk about this, some of the issues that may impact the votes that come this weekend. And you mentioned one, which is just a, a theme that people were talking about, is the, the, the bill on transgender athletes. Uh, how is this going to play? Uh, because it seems like a lot of candidates are looking at, they're looking at the polling, they're talking to their delegates. How is this one going to impact votes? It is, um, this has been a major issue, especially in the last few months in Utah, um, last few years nationally. It's been a subject of heated, intense debate. Of course, the background is that there there was a bill that, that um, to basically uh, say you, you ban female transgender athletes from playing on the sport that aligns with their gender identity um, on teams. And the, the concern there was that perhaps there could be some kind of physical advantage that transgender athletes could retain. Um, that that hasn't been something we've we've seen in Utah that hasn't been been a problem in, in sports so far. I think it's worth saying that for the, the background of this issue, right? But of course it became a big deal towards the end of the session when the bill changed and became a little bit more of a, of a full-on ban than had been discussed before. And, um, and you've seen, I think, that that's been something that has been the subject of a lot of conversation, and, um, and it wasn't supported by all lawmakers to start with, and I think the, the, the lawmakers that did not support the ban heard from people who, who wanted them to do that and were very unhappy mm -hmm. that they had not. And so, um, so I think that that issue is going to, to be one that I think will, um, will affect a lot of the futures of, of some lawmakers going yeah. forward, um, because it definitely has been something that has been a very intense conversation, um, especially in conservative circles these mm -hmm. days. Representative, what do you think? Um, will, will there be delegates on, on Friday, on, on Saturday? On, uh, maybe what kind of percentage you think? Not exactly what they're going to say. How'd you vote on this one? And that's how I will decide if I support you or not. Well, in the state representatives or the state senators that are in the House, you see um, a lot of these 
uh, nominations have already happened at the county convention and the state convention is if you represent multiple counties have constituents in multiple counties and so those those delegates have yet to speak uh, yeah I, I do think that will be a topic mm -hmm. because I think um, though there are only four people I think uh, four athletes in the state of Utah that were that were affected currently one of the things Utah's always been known for is to be proactive and not wait till there's a problem mm -hmm. if this bill were to be addressed when there were two dozen three dozen then it becomes a lot bigger of an issue and I know that uh, our, our good Governor Governor Cox had mentioned at the time there's only one candidate or one athlete that this affected. I know that Representative Birkeland, and as I sat with her last year before I retired, um, saw her continually going out and trying to meet with different different groups and negotiate what that looks like. And then the last night, the Senate says we're going to change the bill. And I think that's where a lot of people are hung up was what that process looked like. Um, but absolutely, our delegates going to mm -hmm. want to know where did you stand, how did you vote, how did you vote originally, and then how did you vote on veto override? Did yeah. you vote veto override? because you heard from your constituents and I think what happened is you saw what happened at the University of Pennsylvania with the swimmer and all the domination people were just sort of afraid that that may happen here and there are lots of constituents that reached out to their representatives and said you better correct on the veto and, mm -hmm. and maybe that's what happened mm -hmm. uh, let me do you have these, are, these are young kids I mean we're talking you know I, I just I have to say that uh, I, I have a hard time believing that this is an important of an issue as a very small subset, I would even argue the tyranny of the loud, um, think that it is. And at the end of the day, I think that the biggest problem is here we have a legislature that is coming in to override a veto at the same time that we have inflation, high gas prices, uh, massive drought, global warming, um, you know, air pollution, water pollution, a million issues that if at the end of the day uh, you went to, to the people of Utah and asked what was most important, I have a feeling that this issue would be at the bottom of the list. This is just a, this is a culture war issue to get those extremes to come in and, and support, uh, to support some of these candidates and it's, it's really an unfortunate, it's an unfortunate thing that that's what uh, our Republican leaders have decided to, to focus on. And I, and I would just, I think that that is a social issue, but all of the big issues you've talked about, that same Republican legislature was very, very dedicated this year to look at air quality, to look at water, and, to, and what are we doing for water conservation? And the governor worked with the legislature, and I think he mentioned it somewhere before, where we're getting hung up on that one override vote, but the legislature did lots of good things to to look at transportation, look at water, look at air quality, look at housing, and try to address a lot of those things in this last legislative session. And so, that I, I will agree with you that this is a social issue that's come up, but I don't know that it's necessarily a wedge issue. Um, Anyway. Okay, uh, I want to get to two, there are two more issues, one impacting the Republican convention and the Democrats. There are two things we've got to talk about. Lindsay, start with you. Uh, interesting stories this week. Senator Mike Lee, some some text messages to uh, uh, former Chief of Staff uh, Mark Meadows for President Trump. Uh, that issue in this in this convention. Yeah, that uh, it, it has definitely been a subject of discussion since those uh, text messages came out uh, about a week ago. And, and it, I think for, there are certainly some, some folks who were unhappy to have seen um, that sort of level of involvement in conversation. Um, and, and so there was, was some pushback on that. And, um, and the, the senator has done a couple interviews now where he's, he's, he's talked a little bit about how, you know, these were informal conversations with a friend. Um, but, but certainly there were a lot of people who felt like he was more involved than 
than than he he should perhaps have been in this this effort on on behalf of the former president. Um, and I think I think there'll be some conversation about it. I think there are certainly people with um, who would have different points of view on it. Some people are going to be really frustrated he was involved. Other people who who are are still very supportive of of President Trump, former President Trump, might be frustrated when he changed his mind at the end and and said this is this we we should stop this and he did vote to confirm um, the election that that Biden had won the election so so it's 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 going to be an interesting kind of hot potato uh, I think in this conversation of course that we know what the field is going to be for Senator Lee's race and I do think that his challengers will probably not try to hit it too hard when they get up and, and speak at convention. I think that in some ways it'll be a background conversation, but perhaps not in, in the foreground, especially on that, at the podium in the, that public um, sphere. I totally agree, because each candidate is only given three minutes to give their speech, and they're not going to want to start speaking about what you did. Uh, at least a smart candidate's not. Why do you want to vote for me? Not why do you want to vote against Mike Lee? Uh -huh. And I think in three minutes, I need to promote myself. Mm -hmm. And that is an audience where that will not come out. But as we move to a primary, and I think as they start looking for the more moderate or the independents or some of these others that are out there preparing for a, a, an election in November, mm -hmm. but the more moderates who weren't at convention, I think that's when you might hear about the text message. Okay, so Jeff, let's talk about, well, I guess we got this, the one side which might happen with the Republicans, but how are the Democrats, and, and put it through an additional lens that you are managing this weekend is, there will be, there may be a motion uh, to, for the Democratic Party to not put a candidate forward for the Senate race and support perhaps uh, Evan McMullen. Sure, there's a, a push um, on uh, with Evan McMullen, who's running uh, independently uh, without a party affiliation, to create a coalition, as he puts it, of Republicans, Democrats, and independents to overcome Mike Lee. Of course, uh, the I don't recall the last time the Democratic Party didn't have a nominee for uh, United States Senator. Uh, despite the fact that we haven't won that position in quite a long time, uh, we certainly have always put someone forward. So that'll be a very interesting debate that, that may happen uh, on Saturday, and it'll be interesting to see how the delegates come out on that. I mean, so how, the, how are the conversations happening internally on that? Because I don't, I don't know of a time when that's happened as well, either. Yeah, no, this certainly is a unique situation. Uh, the, the Democratic Party has never been asked or been put into a position like this uh, that that uh, Evan McMullen is proposing. So it certainly is going to make Saturday an interesting day. Uh, I would love to tell you that I have a sense of where the delegates are on this one, but I actually have no idea. I'm, you know, as the chair, I'm neutral on the position. Um, I, I certainly value discussion, though, and I'm always a proponent of talking about ideas, talking about what might or might not work. So uh, I think that I think that uh, it's it remains to be seen what happens happens there, but it will certainly make uh, the convention very interesting, and I think that it'll make uh, Mike Lee's situation on the Republican side much more interesting once that's resolved. Okay. It's going to have to be the last comment today. Great insights, getting ready for this for Saturday. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to The Hinkley Report. If you enjoy this podcast and want to help more people find out about it, please rate it and leave us a positive review.